0: Good morning, Vietnam! Boy, What's up, everybody? This is the Constance Crusade Podcast. Retro video games, video game news. Today, just a little bit of something. A little bit of nothing. I'm EJ Olsen. This is Nick Durheim. We're talking some things today. What are we talking about?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk at all about the... Very little news that's happened in the past week, and neither of us have been playing any video games, so we decided to finally go to that very infrequently talked about subject of (laughs) retro video games that we literally never talk about. Well,
0: a couple of housekeeping items here. First off, I want to say, listen... I have been playing games. I just don't believe you. I finally, Nick. I finally started playing God of War again. That's true. You haven't. You have been
1: bitching about that a lot.
0: Okay. Can I just give? Can we? Can we spend three minutes on the God of War thing? Yes. I will time you. Okay. Give me. Give me a timer. Tell me. Tell me. Where I can start here. I'm ready. God of War. I went into it week one with everybody else. Didn't want to miss that Zeitgeist PS4 exclusive. Okay. I have to justify the PS4 Pro sitting under my entertainment center. So I started playing it. I'm like, all right. It's pretty linear. The combat is pretty tropey, And I said, "Ah, eh, this has got a war game. Better characters, better graphics, better whatever. I quit playing probably in just in that first first quarter of the game is when you first unlock the, uh, in Midgard, the lake. So really not that far. And then work picked up and I just got busy and I didn't play it. After beating Spider-Man, I had an itch to dive back in. I love Spider-Man so much. I had such a good time. I platinumed it. I just wanted to get back to something that could fill this freaking Spidey-sized hole in my heart. And I said, Kratos, boy, maybe you could be the one. <laughs> he says, too big, too big. Uh, like a graphic. Uh, so, but you said heart, right? I, yeah, I did. I have a okay. huge heart. I should probably see a doctor about that. <laughs> like Andre the Giant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay. So, I popped the game in. I said, ah, fuck, I have to restart. I haven't played this since, is that April? Yeah. Oh. I want to say, yeah. And I was like, ah, yeah, I got to just start fresh. It's fucking September, October. I started fresh and I spent three days with it. And and I, I don't know how to gauge how far I am, Nick. Maybe you can tell me here, but I just made it back from, is it all Is that what it's called? Yeah. Just made it back. Yeah. It's probably like the first act basically. Okay. That makes I'd sense. I'd say the,
1: the point up until you're on your way to the lake that I would consider that like the prologue and then opening up the world tree and getting that sort of It branches out, and I'd say that's probably about the first act in like three or four acts. So you're probably like a third or or a quarter of the way through the game. There's a lot other like ancillary stuff, so it depends on how deep you want to delve into those side quests.
0: And I've been doing as, as much as I've found the side quests, collectibles, whatever. My thoughts so far. It's so far been a very tedious experience. The combat's, you know, the combat is what I would expect, I guess, from a game like that. You've got your heavy attack, your light attack, and then you learn some crazy combos and it's just kind of hack and slashy. What a lot of people said about Spider-Man, and I'm just comparing it because, you know, it just came out, but a lot of people felt about that game and its combat that, you know, despite having all of these, these gadgets in your arsenal, you still end up only doing the same three moves. Because it's just easier, you know. I didn't feel that way about Spider-Man. I use all my gadgets and found crazy, clever, different ways. And half the time I do stealth, and half the time I just, you know, bomb in there and gun my way through. And it was, you know, the enemies became, you know, pretty tedious. You're fighting so many, but the combat never felt like, oh, I'm just hitting the same two buttons. God of War so far, dude. I just throw my axe, and then I get close enough, and I, I bang them with a light attack, and then I rinse, repeat. It gets boring very quickly. And the puzzles are really cool at first. They're not too difficult. And each area kind of has a new type of puzzle you, you gotta kind of figure out. And initially they're pretty clever and they're and they're they're bite-sized, but even after a while, it's like, okay, this is again, this is just tedious. Just get me to the next boss. I want a big bad boss fight. Okay. That's what God of War is to me. Is mm-hmm. all right, my puzzle platforming, you get through the level, boom, big bad boss fight. And I feel like I've only had really had one of those, and the rest has just been, like I said, tedious. I just I'm just itching for that next cutscene, right? Which sounds weird, but the thing that's kept me going with this game is the character and the character development kratos for just being a big hulking like i don't want to say idiot he's not an idiot but just this fucking emotionless he's a brute there's so much there what he's going through and what his son is going through just resonated with me and i'm just really interested in what's going to happen to them and and their dynamic and again this this big brute who's incapable of showing emotion versus this impulsive kid who just wears it all in his sleeves going through this shared trauma together and seeing how they interact. Like, it's very interesting, and that's really the only thing keeping me going. It's got no point where I can only play this game in, like, 40-minute sessions before I'm just so uh, annoyed and ready to just move on. But then, I'm like, something nags at me in the back of my head. I'm like, ah, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. 40 minutes later, okay, fuck this game. Something's keeping me going, and, and like I said, it's probably just the characters. But I've played other games where the characters have been interesting and the story has been interesting, and... I still don't give a fuck. I'd rather go watch a cutscene. So this game isn't tedious enough that I just want to go watch a YouTube video for four hours and get the gist of the story. But it's also obnoxious enough that I can only play it for so long. So I don't know. That was more than three minutes. But uh, I guess to wrap it up, I don't get why people praise this game the way they did. In my eyes, it's a God of War game with a 2018 polish. I think it's a
1: lot of recency bias. I don't think I was put off by the uh, gameplay loop of the battle mechanics as much as you were. I was more uh, just not very engaged with the progression systems that they uh, employed. Like, I don't know if you've messed around too much with it, but there's like a skill tree and you unlock different runes. So you have a different like special ability. Yeah. And those like the idea of them are cool, but the implementation, I think fell a little flat for me. I just sort of found one that I liked and didn't mess around with anything else.
0: You know, we, we talk about this when it comes to Zelda, Breath of the Wild, and how some people praise that game for forcing you to branch out and try these different things. And I was on the other side of things where it was like, I would rather find something I like, stick with what works, right? For me, Guy to War, I really like some of the things they do with the with the progression system. The idea of actually spending your experience points directly to, to make a build you like, as opposed to, you know, some arbitrary, like, we, we talked about our fear of Spider-Man going into that game, like... Okay, if I use my heavy attack, you know, 90 times in a row, I'll unlock whatever perk. They do that in God of War, too. They do? That's what I was referring to. Yeah. There's like a whole sub area of your
1: menu where you look at, oh, kill 50 of those weird little tiger worm things
0: or kill 50 droggers and you get experience for it. Okay, see that that seems less gated, right? That's kind of a bonus incentive in my eyes.
1: It just depends on how the game implements it, like what the economy is like with those points and how it scales. Like, does me branching into one sort of section slow down my progression in another section, which God of War didn't do. Basically, I just maxed out everything. I didn't feel like I had to grind that out at all. It just sort of happened during my natural progression. Early on, I spent a lot of points leveling up Atreus because I utilized his arrows a lot and then was mostly just like, oh, level up the axe. I'm not doing hand-to-hand combat that much. So I didn't really feel like I was min-maxing, but at the same time, it didn't really uh, incentivize me to try new things either.
0: Again, in my eyes, it feels like that system, that's more of a an incentive for those who want to dive into it because I haven't. I didn't even know that was there. And I feel I'm already overpowered just going but basic progression through, you know, the first third of the game, doing every side quest in the collectibles. Luckily enough, you can you can
1: change between, I think, three different difficulty settings on the fly without having to like start a new game or anything. Right. So that's what I ended up doing at the end of the game. I played through the entire game on normal. And then just to grind out uh, the mini bosses to get the platinum, I turned it on easy because it was so tedious and I didn't feel like I was being challenged. It just felt like, oh, I'm just not a high enough level. If I had more HP, I'd be able to do this. Right. It was just punishing. It wasn't satisfying. Like you like to point out that I like Dark Souls, but I don't think that's really... A fair comparison 100% of the time, but at least when you die, it's because you did something wrong.
0: I didn't have that learning experience from the God of War mini-bosses at the end. So I obviously haven't got that far in God of War, but I know what you're saying. The thing about Dark Souls is that it rewards you for being patient and learning how to play the game and learning how to tackle each boss, right? It rewards developing that skill and the attention to detail. Whereas so far in God of War, it's just it's a hack and clash game. Very true to its roots.
1: From what I've talked to, Like other people who have finished the game and finished the bosses I'm talking about, their method of beating those bosses was basically cheesing them using a certain set of runes that I never used because I just didn't like them. Oh, yeah. And I'm very prone to min-maxing and finding the best way to do something and then killing the fun because there's no more challenge. So just based on me never really encountering that and getting any enjoyment from it, I feel like that speaks to it not being as good as it could be. I thought it was really well implemented from what they did do. And it seemed like a really good take on a God of War game that was more like a Zelda game, like uh, *Ocarina of Time*.
0: No, I totally see that. You know, as someone, I, you know, I, I very recently beat the first two God of War games. I want to say maybe 2015. I played the remakes or the the remasters on PS3, and I felt the same way about those games. Where it was like, oh, there's some really cool stuff here, but by the end, it was just it was such a tedious slog that I could only handle so much of it at a time. Those games didn't have the story of the character that this game has, or the the acting so far has been great. Characterizations aside, I just want to listen to Kratos talk, dude. That performance is awesome. Great
1: sound design. It's a AAA game. It's A game. It's the full package. Yeah. It's a really well put together game, and I hope there's definitely going to be a sequel, because this game sold very well. Right. And I hope they just improve upon the combat system. Clearly, they've made games with a perspective that's further away and moving the camera in this close really changes how you have to set up uh, encounters with enemies. Yeah. And I think that if they just add a better enemy variety, I think that could really improve the encounters instead of having just like a horde of these droggers that are just annoying, which would have been a lot better in like an older God of War game where you have that pulled out perspective and you're swinging around the, the blades. But now you're up close. You've got like an axe and you've got a really cool moveset. I like the how you can throw the axe and then punch dudes. And, and also the targeting is a mess. It's really bad. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that could be improved. Sure. Not the targeting, but like the lock on, you know what right, I'm saying?
0: Right, right. You know, and I, I totally agree that when I'm looking at it objectively or, or I'm, I'm taking a step back and looking at it, I'm like, oh man, that's badass. I should feel like a badass when I'm doing this. When you actually get in and play, I haven't had that moment where I feel like, dude, I'm so powerful. This is so satisfying. The initial fight with, spoiler alert, if you're listening to this. For like the first 10 minutes of the game. <laughs> well, right, right. But it, who I assume is Balder? Is that who it is? The stranger. Yeah. Is that his name? Is it Balder? Well, yeah, but that's not revealed until like further than where you are. No, but I, I put it together because of some dialogue Atreus had, and I, I assume that's who it was. So anyway, that's why I said spoiler alert. because <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't know if... I talked to people and they just assumed, oh, is that Loki? Oh, is that so-and-so? Am no, I- it wasn't Loki. Come on. Motherfuckers don't know their, their fucking Norse mythology, bro. Uh, so yeah, anyway. You should feel really cool.
1: And right. I, that definitely, it did hit me. Like, just the fact that it was one camera shot just kept it so much more engaging than your standard yes. uh, cut to black and then just a pre-rendered cut scene or that kind of thing. It was yep. really, everyone throws around the term cinematic, but it, it was very, you know, considerate. Yeah. And it was very deliberate in the way it, it takes the control from you and smoothly transitions it into a, a cutscene. Yeah. But then it immediately like, gives you back the control with, without it feeling like sometimes you exit a cutscene, you're like, Am I still, pl- am I playing yet? And you don't know. But every time it cuts back to you having agency over your character,
0: it was flawless. That's super hard to nail. And they just, they pulled it off so well. We talked about this in regards to another game. And now I can't remember what it was, but other games have tried to do that. Where they want to keep you engaged, but they basically go to a cutscene. And it's like, okay, you put your controller down because it's a cutscene. The next thing you know, there's a quick time event. And you're like, what the fuck? And you're scrambling to get your controller and get your bearings so you can do this cutscene. That's a very cheap way of keeping people engaged. What I think God of War does really well, like you said, there isn't a, a cut to black. Because when that happens in a game, I put my controller down. I'm like, okay. I kind of tune out. But when it's it's woven so flawlessly like that, you're always engaged. And what I appreciate what they didn't do. Is, again, they're not just tossing these quick-time events in just for the sake of it. Like, oh, we, it, this cutscene's gone on for a minute too long. Let's just quit. Press circle a bunch of times. Hand check. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they do do that, but it doesn't ever feel cheap or that it's out of place or that it's surprising you. It's always within the flow of... And Spider-Man did the same thing really well. But that's something that... Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I these are the... F- kind of the first two games that I think have really nailed that that seamless transition and God of War I think more so than Spider-Man Spider-Man still had loading zones and whatever open world stuff yeah but anyway I'm gonna try and finish it probably not gonna platinum on this one much too tedious so far that's totally fair I'd be
1: interested to see uh if you come to enjoy the combat more once you get more and more abilities if that engages you or if you're just sort of like from the get-go this it's just not enough
0: you know that's what I thought and and I've unlocked quite a bit. I've unlocked the first three tiers on my skill tree, and I've leveled. I think I'm level four uh, with my gear and and upgrades and stuff. And so I feel like I'm pretty OP. I, I so far I haven't run into an enemy I don't just crush. So I already feel like, what more can this game offer me? Because I have all these things unlocked. I still don't use any of them. I use the same three moves. Have you encountered a, a dragon yet? A dragon? Yeah. No. Okay, well...
1: Oh, shit! Like some Skyrim shit? It's really cool. Okay. You're gonna, I think you're gonna really like uh, how they how they do dragons. Okay. I only asked because there was a sort of a side area that I encountered, probably about as far as you are right now, that had some uh, enemies that are very challenging. Okay. I think they're like the hardest enemies in the game. There's different tiers of them, too. Just that specific enemy type, but they have this like... They're like basically a suit of armor.
0: Well, I'm going to track on with it this week, and we'll see, but... I have been playing games. It's weird. It's so weird. I am working so much, Nick, but I'm still making time to play games because I decided to reclaim the things I like. I respect that. The
1: most I've been doing is just playing Splatoon with you and Leaf. We've been doing that a lot. We've been playing almost every day.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's been nice. It's been awful also. (laughs) Listen, you're lucky I'm even doing this podcast with you. Okay? You're salty. I was saying more more (laughs) that was
1: awful because of... Troubles connecting and getting everyone in the same lobby. Oh, oh in the lobby, God. but I'm in with seven other people that won't leave the lobby and they're having a squid party. So they're just not even playing the game. So you have to quit out and try to join up and, Oh, we've got three people. We can't do league battles. Oh, we can do Grisco. But the third person disconnect Grisco's closed. Now we have enough people to do it. It's
0: there's an obstacle at every turn. Nintendo just really doesn't want us to play that game. I just, I just want to play with the boys. We hop in the server. We start, we start having a laugh. The leaf is vaping. Having a cough, I just want to. I just want to get down with with the boys and listen. A lot of the time, when we're complaining or when I'm complaining about Nintendo, rather because you're always very level-headed and pragmatic in your approach. Me, not so much.
1: Well, I just like to try to give an opposite opinion just to challenge you to have you voice your opinion more clearly. A lot of the times, I actually agree with you, and I don't think. I, <laughs> okay. I, I don't think I make that clear enough, but I do like to just argue because it makes you either angry, which is funny. <laughs> or more verbose, which is more informative.
0: Doug, you got me so fucking heated. I was laying in bed last night. and Y'all were talking about the Splatoon ink color. I was so heated. Sarah's like, what's wrong? I'm like, don't ask about it. <laughs> she's like, she saw me on my laptop. I'm like, I'm like sampling Photoshop colors and looking shit up on, on Splatpedia. I'm like, listen, you fuckers. <laughs> and she's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, don't worry about it. All right. I mean, heated discourse.
1: You have to admit, though, I made a very fair point. It's green,
0: motherfucker. I don't want to get into it. I'll lose my shit. I've, I've had, had a little lot, bit of whiskey. I'm, that's I'll all lose I'm saying. It. I'll lose it. Nope. That's all I'm saying we're done with this, guys. I, no, nope. Sorry, guys. No context for this conversation. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not okay, going to. What
1: are we? What are we actually talking about uh, today? Then after
0: you spent not three minutes, but actually closer to fifteen minutes talking God of War, which is fine. It is fine. I had a good conversation. I felt good about it. <laughs> That's
1: good. That's good. That was good talk.
0: So before we jump into the topic, which let's, let's talk Boy. about the topic. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> dude, listen, I had a buddy down here all weekend and he just watched me pretty much play. He was on his switch all weekend and I was playing on the PlayStation and we we're just, you know, hanging out, eating donut holes, whatever. I swear to God, man. If I have to listen to that man say, boy, one more goddamn time. He said it like 900 times <laughs> over the three days he was here. He would just look at me randomly, boy. I'm like, shut the fuck up. It was That's funny almost the- twice as often as Kratos. Uh, it was funny the first, you know, 30 times. Now it's obnoxious. Well, when you name your kid Atreus, it's a lot easier to just say boy. <laughs> Preach. So today we are talking about game franchises we want to return. However... Now that I've teased that 15 minutes into the podcast, we'll get there. We'll get there. Just chop this out, edit it into the very beginning. Right. No, I could do that. That could be the intro bit. It's never too late. It's in the run of show. Yeah, but people don't look at that, EJ. This I'm having such such flashbacks here, Nick, to a conversation we had last week. Yeah, I know. But anyway, we do have some listener mail today from our boy, Leaf, who responded to the beginning of a discourse. we We were... Going to engage in last week, yet we we never fully did. And I think the dam is about to break, Nick. And here's why Leaf writes in Paper Mario is as much a JRPG as Avatar is an anime. Of course, he also said Blue Avatar, not the Airbender one. Nick, I'm getting a work phone call. Holy shit.
1: This is EJ. He's making a very weird face right now. No one answered. He's back. What were you saying? Oh, no, I was narrating what you were doing. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Just barely. I didn't I didn't actually start narrating until you made a really weird face. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple things here, Nick, about this uh, this letter from Leaf. Where did Leaf write to? That is feedback at consolecrusade.com. Nice. You, too, <laughs> can write to us. Questions, comments, concerns. Of course, Twitter is always available at console underscore crusade. Obviously, I am at Ejiggle, and this is at Press till Death. However, last week... You called, all right, in a moment of ignorance. <laughs> wow. All right, you called Paper Mario a right moment of ignorance, right? <laughs> you called Paper Mario a JRPG, and I took issue with that, and we got into a, just a, just just the beginning of a discourse over what is a JRPG and, and does Paper Mario fall into those in the confines of what what you know what that is, those parameters. Leaf obviously disagrees that Paper Mario is not a JRPG. However, the blue Avatar, maybe he's, he's just trying to be, you know, trying to drive his point home, I guess. But I did bring up Avatar, but I obviously meant the cartoon show, The Last Airbender, not, you know, Pandora and Onobtanium and, you know, Sigourney Weaver. James Cameron. Titanic. Leonardo DiCaprio. 12 Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Whatever. Leaf also wants to know who is getting Mega Man 11. I'll probably get it. you going to get Mega Man 11? Probably. Nick, is this because you just need more cute red cases on your shelf, or is it because you want to play Mega Man? Can it be both? <laughs> yes, yes, it can be. Anyway, is Paper Mario a JRPG? Nick, enlighten me. I know you've done some research. I haven't really done that much research.
1: I literally just googled JRPG right now. <laughs> what is a JRPG by definition? According to Wikipedia, because they have a list of best-selling Japanese role-playing game franchises, and for the purpose of this article, a JRPG is defined as a franchise which is one considered a role-playing game by reliable sources and was made in japan or two made in another country but otherwise the franchise would be difficult to differentiate from a jrpg due to having common traits found in jrpgs such as anime slash manga character designs rpg elements fantasy setting and widely considered as being inspired or influenced by a jrpg
0: so that's interesting this list is very jrpg though i mean pokemon pokemon I mean, technically, yeah, but I don't. when I think of JRPGs, I don't think of Pokemon. Also, like Final
1: Fantasy, Dragon Quest, Monster Hunter, Kingdom Hearts, Dragon Ball, Tales, Super Robot Wars, Dark Souls, they list. Very weird. Interesting. Yakuza, which is also kind of weird. The Saga series, Persona, Shin Megami Tensei, Yokai Watch. So it's tough, dude. I think it's a, such a broad sort of definition that I don't know. Where else can I, can I Google? What's Urban Dictionary say? Is that a good enough source? <laughs> Very
0: reliable. JRPG, what? You're going to get some very disgusting results. Is.
1: Oh, God. I don't want a Steam community off-topic conversation. Please, God, no. IGN boards. What is JRPG on
0: the JRPG subreddit? There we go. Is that good enough for you? Very authentic. You can trust these gentlemen.
1: Well, they're they're basically listing it as JRPG versus Western RPG. As being like two different branches. Okay. Because it's layers. It's genres. It's only... Valid as a definition if people understand what you're talking about. If I say JRPG, you have to know what I'm saying. One of the top posts is, A JRPG is a story about a group of teenagers who use the power of friendship to kill God.
0: That is a very funny... (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) There's a lot of those. (laughs) And and, and out of context, sort of broad sweep of the brush there. Plus one for, you know, humor. A JRPG is an abbreviation
1: which stands for Jerpeg, a small rodent-like creature living within the southern region of the Himalayan mountains.
0: Oh, JerPegs. It's also my favorite image compression format. JerPeg is my favorite sex move. Ooh, You heard it here. Go back to Urban Dictionary. Tell me what a JerPeg
1: is. Anyway, I also got an answer from Andrew. He said, I asked, is Paper Mario a JRPG? Please give reasons why or why not. Andrew says, I would say yes, but barely. It's more of a turn-based adventure game, which I think is a little bit disingenuous. I think that, that fits closer to the later entries in the franchise because they do deviate a bit from the turn-based leveling up combat which is very jrpg in my opinion
0: nick i don't want to go down this rabbit hole too deep here you started i know i know i did i know i did (laughs) because honestly at the end of the day this isn't like green versus yellow splat ink all right i don't really feel passionate about the jrpg genre the way i do about colors color wheels (laughs) but i would say jrpg is as vague a, a genre or subgenre as rpg anymore rpg assassin's creed's an rpg as you like to point
1: out yeah the new ones are much more so because they they take so many cues from the witcher now the witch is right. an rpg
0: i mean that has you know a, a proper level system and well so does the assassin's creed now i haven't played the new ones yeah so what i'm saying is
1: now yeah. they are the last two games have been
0: very closely aping the witcher from all comparisons no, I've heard. and that's fine i think that's okay I think that's okay. That's what that series needed. And obviously, like I said, I didn't play uh, Origins, and uh, probably won't play Odyssey, but that's what those games needed. They needed more of a progression system, and they needed a better combat system, and they needed at they least more depth in that regard. But, as far as Paper Mario goes, JRPGs, it's obviously a broad term, and this technically falls under it. It's interesting that he said it's an adventure game with turn-based combat. Like, when you think of adventure games, I think of old PC games, right? Point and click adventures, right? Monkey Island. And and then you look at something like Paper Mario and like, in a weird way, there are a lot of similarities there. Nick, you look frozen. You look very frozen. I think I lost Nick, everybody. Microwave, dude. Is that what happened? Yeah. (laughs) Shit, man. Anyway, Paper Mario is an RPG. Listen, I acquiesce to your knowledge here. Nick, you're right. It's a JRPG. Yeah, I mean,
1: it just it has all the trappings of a JRPG. You've got a party system. You're leveling up. You're distributing your stat points into distinct categories. You've got your badges that are similar to equipping, like, armor and items. You get upgrades to your hammer, your boots.
0: It's got all the trappings of it. I'm RPG. convinced. You just convinced me. You eloquent son of a bitch. I'm in. I'm in. Paymario is a JRPG. Leaf, you're wrong. I was always on this bandwagon. Either that or Leaf just truly believes that Avatar is anime. That... Would be very concerning. I feel like we could have an intervention pod to address this specific issue. However, now that we're 40 minutes into this podcast, 35 minutes into this podcast, listen, Paper Mario, this is a great segue, Nick, and I'm ruining the segue by calling it a segue. Paper Mario is on my list of franchises that need to return. Nice. And listen, I know this is a little dubious because Paper Mario is still, it's a current franchise. We just had a a release in the last year. As we've talked about before in this podcast, I don't just mean Paper Mario, the name, Paper Mario, the aesthetic, Paper Mario, the game, bro, the game, not the game, the game. Two games. I still don't need you to play Thousand Year Door one of these days. I got the first couple stars in that game, and I just didn't have time to go back to it, but I appreciated what it did. It just refined everything from the first game, and I appreciate the shit out of that. Really add a lot of depth with the uh, partners giving them
1: their own hp meters and right. sort of giving that a little bit more depth they felt less like
0: a party trick <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah right less of a not thrown in because i didn't feel like anything in the original paper mario game felt pasted on or anything mm-hmm. but it, but fleshing it out makes them feel more like a part of what you're doing and less of a, a weird combat trick we've talked about this before we know what happened to this franchise and nintendo coming out and saying it you know Miyamoto saying at different times how they really want to differentiate the Paper Mario from the Mario Luigi series, which is essentially what Paper Mario is, is what the Mario Luigi series became, and it still is, but those games, there are a lot missing from those games, and I think the big one is obviously the aesthetic, but like you said, some of the, the party mechanics, like in Mario Luigi games, it's just you and Luigi.
1: Yeah, and I think they expand that a little bit in Partners in Time, but I never played that one. I've just seen screenshots where it's you and the,
0: the baby selves. As far as, you know, are we ever going to get a real Paper Mario game? I don't think it's likely. I do think that we're going to get Paper Mario in Smash. I'm convinced of that, but if that does happen, I hope that sparks some interest in people to... Although, at this point, how are people going to play this, this franchise? There's no way to go back and play those games anymore.
1: Yeah, if only there was some way that Nintendo could sell old games to you again. Which they've shown that they don't want to do that. Right, exactly. Very disheartening. They don't want to do that, and that doesn't make any sense. Especially on a a platform that's so capable, and it's a handheld, like... So you have all the pros of the 3DS virtual console without any of the drawbacks of having the new 3DS to do Super NES games for some reason, even though that's, like, not even a hardware limitation, it's just a weird... Is that, like, a selling point for the new 3DS? I don't know. Weird stuff. There's, there's, there's nothing holding it back. The, the Switch is totally powerful enough to play up to... Maybe even GameCube games. I don't know how good their internal emulation would be with that. They've never sold uh, GameCube games on a virtual console before. Right. The Wii and the Wii U could play them natively, but that was before they are really too invested in selling their games digitally, really. I mean, Wii U, you could you buy all their games digitally, but that was kind
0: of like a first for them. I don't have hope this franchise will return, unlike a couple of the things on this list. You know, I look at this list and realistically... There's a future for most of these games. Paper Mario, as far as its original incarnation, I don't think we will ever see. Just just because Nintendo is so stubborn, and when they, they have their minds set on something like, listen, Paper Mario is never going to be an RPG because we have a Mario, Mario RPG. End of story. We have it. They sell. Why do we need two? We want to we wanna make Paper Mario its own thing and have it stand on its own, which I get as a principle... It totally makes sense. I totally understand it too. But
1: it just sucks because I love I love the first Mario and Luigi, but I just loved the first two Paper Mario games so much. And it was so interesting how they branched out and added new characters, which Mario and Luigi also did. Yeah. Having it set in like a different kingdom and having all these different unique variations on enemies and new enemies. Like that's just so refreshing in a Mario game. That's not, it doesn't look and sound like every other Mario game.
0: Right. No, I, and I totally appreciate both those franchises for, for doing that. But Nintendo looks at it, and again, this is Nintendo just being so out of touch, as they always are. They look at it and say, well, Paper Mario didn't sell, and Thousand Year Door didn't sell, but Mario and Luigi, those games sold. Without looking at why they didn't sell, and why the other ones did sell. The N64, it was one of three RPGs on a machine that you were selling to children who didn't care about RPGs.
1: Yeah, it's platforms and it's timing, like Paper Mario came out 2000, that was at the that was a death's door for N64. Right. The thousand year door, I think, was 2004.
0: So, but then you look at a, a system like the Game Boy Advance, which sold 80 million, or you look at the DS, which sold 120 million, right? Or how much did it sell? DS? Yeah. About 150. 150? Yeah. I mean, just absurd. Yeah. So, like, yeah, those games sold better. Your install base was much, much larger. The people who who own these systems. And, and again, like you said timing. In their eyes, they say, well, Paper Mario didn't sell. But they've still made Paper Mario games. They try to do like a different thing where it's more of a a story-based
1: kind of pseudo-platformer, pseudo-RPG. It's like very, very entry-level. You don't really have to worry about stats or having your combat mechanics really nailed down. Right. And Super Paper Mario, I think, is actually a very interesting game. And it's not a bad game, but it's just it doesn't capture the same sort of magic that I felt from the original two Paper Mario games.
0: And I haven't played anything post Thousand Year Door. I haven't had any interest. I don't want to play another Mario platformer regardless of how cute it is. I just don't want to. I wouldn't say that Super Paper Mario is a platformer.
1: It just has more of those kind of trappings within the gameplay. And it does do interesting things like the base mechanic of the game is that you can view it from side on and progress like a 2D platformer or also switch it so you're viewing it from like the left or right side so then you can navigate that way and find secrets and that kind of stuff. But it is it's a much more in-depth story than your standard Mario game. It just
0: wasn't special. I kicked us off with this Paper Mario thing. It's a franchise we want to return, even though it never really went away. It's just evolved to a point of no longer resembling the game we fell in love with. But what else do you have in your list, Nick? Well, let me let me perfectly segue into one of
1: my entries, which is Super Mario RPG. Okay. Which is completely different than Paper
0: Mario in that it was made by Square. But at the end of the day, how different is it from the other Mario in Luigi RPGs, other than maybe an aesthetic. Well, I wouldn't even say that it's different. It's just that the, it started it. I believe in Japan, Paper Mario is called Super
1: Mario RPG 2. Yeah. And Super Mario RPG does set the tone in a lot of ways. Mario never really had, like, a story to it before. So it's the first game to really introduce that. It introduced Bowser as being, like, a goofy character, which has kind of stuck around for every other game right. that Mario's even ever had. So, And it, it introduced in the combat active like button presses to make your attacks have more efficacy, which I think is incredibly key and is criminally underused in other RPGs. It gives you more agency over doing a better thing. It rewards you for paying attention. And it's just fun to get the timing right. And you get a cool little extra animation. You do more damage.
0: Right. And it it takes, in a lot of ways, it helps, remove the grind the trappings of a turn-based strategy RPG as fun as it can be and as engaging as they can be as far as you know making the right build and and trying to min max like this attack you know in this enemy type or whatever at some point in any of those games you fall into a routine of the, just the grind where you're not engaged because this isn't challenging but you have to do x y and z to progress in the game so it just becomes a slog and you're literally just hitting a for X amount of hours until you can move on to the next part of the game, right? Yeah, it just turns into a mini-navigation
1: mini-game with animations. Right. And I think that, like you said, that definitely takes a bit of the edge off. And they did hone from uh, Mario RPG into Paper Mario. Like, Mario RPG, you actually had equipment. Like, Mario, you bought different overalls in different towns. All right. You got different hammers in the overworld. And there's like a legendary weapon for each character and all that kind of stuff, which... I don't think it is necessarily what makes those games good. So I'm glad that they whittled it down. But I think what's so special about Mario RPG is that some of the characters that they introduced, they've never been able to use again because they're Square properties. And Nintendo, as a collaboration, let Square keep those characters. So you don't get Geno in any other game, even though he's a fan favorite and he's been like referenced in other games. Right. Like there's a reference for him in Mario and Luigi in like some weird little mini game. And a little fun fact. The game was directed by a dude named Chihiro Fujioka, who also directed Mario and Luigi, all of them. So I wonder if it's sort of some internal kind of push and pull for him versus whoever's directing the Paper Mario series being like, well, we want to be the, the Mario RPG that people
0: think about. So it's, there's some weird stuff. It makes a lot of sense. Maybe there is more behind the scenes going on. And that, I mean, just the fact that, okay, this guy directed the original mario pg i mean it makes sense that this is sort of evolved into the mario luigi franchise but i don't again it all goes back to i don't understand why we just can't have both they both can do different enough things and aesthetically they're different and at this point after all these years dude if you put out a paper mario a proper paper mario rpg on the switch you were going to sell like gangbusters and they even tried to do a weird crossover with mario and luigi paper jam but
1: i don't really remember that succeeding very well not at all it. accounts i'm i didn't play it i haven't been as, been as active in the mario and luigi series in general so i can't really speak to in depth about that it came out so late too came out two
0: years ago the switch came out two years ago switch came out last year dude it came out a year and a half ago yeah so my point stands, it came out late in the three days of the life cycle with the NX just on the horizon. Dude, the NX. When do you think Nintendo's going to reveal that? <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting, baby. I'm still, still waiting.
1: waiting. <laughs> uh. Anyway. Yeah, Mario RPG, this is fantastic. Great soundtrack, too. It's composed by Yoko Shimomura, who's done a million games. She did basically all of uh, Street Fighter II and Final Fight. She's like one of the
0: who's who of video game composers. I do have a couple of RPGs on my list, Nick. I've got a lot of RPGs on my list, I'm sorry. <laughs> but the top of my list, being an RPG that we've talked about before, is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, as a cool. franchise, I just really need back in my life and terrified that I won't get as long as EA holds the rights to Star Wars. I don't know how long that deal is, I don't know if it's conditional. Or if it's a fixed term, I don't know if
1: it was confirmed or if it was just rumored, but I believe it was like a five-year deal, five or seven-year deal. Fuck, seven sounds right, you know. And that was, uh, God, when it was that? Was 2014 when they got that? Their first game was 2015, Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, it makes sense. Because when did Disney buy uh, Lucas Properties? 13, I want to say. So yeah, it's probably when they dissolved that studio. It's when 1313 got shuttered because that was just a money sink. Adds up. Yeah, it's it's shocking that we never got another game in the in the series. Bioware is just getting the whip cracked, making all them Mass Effect games
0: and Dragon Age games. Well, so Bioware made the first KOTOR game, which was a massive success. Right, uh, came out on several platforms. Sold was that very Microsoft well. published? Because I know
1: Bioware and Microsoft did have a working relationship before Mi- Bioware was bought by EA. Like
0: Microsoft published the first Mass Effect game, and I believe KOTOR was a Xbox exclusive for console. Right? Uh, yeah, so it must have been Microsoft because it came on on Xbox and it came out on, on PC. But KOTOR 2, and again, this this is where I wonder how much of this impacted, you know, the reasoning behind not getting another KOTOR game. Or maybe if it was just the, the transfer of, of licenses and it just, timing was wrong and it just never happened. I don't know. But KOTOR 2 had a lot going for it, but what happened was, so so the second one was uh, developed by Obsidian. Bioware had nothing to do with it. Again, for what reason, I don't know. The classic Obsidian handoff. It's honestly happened how many times? I mean, and this is what Obsidian does. They come in and they make what a lot of fans deem to be the best in the franchise. They're like RPG mercenaries. <laughs> right, well, they come in and, they, and they, they they do just enough to be like, wow, this is amazing. But then there's always the, the gotcha or something's not right. Deviates. It's not my Fallout. It's not my KOTOR. KOTOR 2 was in almost every way the perfect sequel. But what happened was they wanted to rush it out early to to hit the holiday rush and so they literally shipped the game with the last quarter of the game completely stripped back they just decimated it so the game just ends basically there's all this content that that never made it that's yeah, tough dude famously now uh last year or two years ago i want to say the original development team independently get together and they they finish the game 10 years after release yeah i remember hearing about that as like a unofficial mod pack that finishes the game yep the cut content that's mod. so cool it's awesome. So here's the thing. That must have been... I'm trying to think. KOTOR came out... KOTOR 2 is 2004. And so I want to say... So it must have been 2015 maybe that the cut content mod came back. Or it was released. So, so 10, 11 years later... That sounds right. KOTOR 2 still had insane reviews. 90% plus. Still did very well. Sold well. So I want to know why this disappeared. And again, was it a, was it a licensing thing? It just it exchanged hands at a awkward time and it just... We never really got that kind of game again.
1: I wonder if it's because the Old Republic
0: is just still trucking along, still making money. The MMO, yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember being so excited for that. That was 2011.
1: It's either that or I wonder what the, uh, how tight the leash is that Disney's holding on Star Wars properties in general, how difficult it is to work with that because it's very, from all accounts I've heard of, it's very, it can be very difficult to have that back and forth and right. have that established communication line to be like, hey, we want to do this. Can we do that? And then, they start working on it, and then higher-ups say, oh, no, you can't.
0: Or they say you can, but then they change their mind. Like, it becomes a whole nightmare. Terrible for anyone actually trying to produce anything over there. It's strange because what do we really know? There's a couple of schmucks on a podcast talking about the things we like. I don't know. Right. But it seems like, I mean, this game is hugely popular, sold terribly well. They, they released it on fucking iPad, for Christ's sake, the, the original one. And it still remembers so finally that I feel like if you made a KOTOR game, you were going to print money. Especially in the age of, like like we talked about, Mass Effect.
1: And by all accounts, I feel like Mass Effect is kind of fills that role of being like a spiritual successor to KOTOR. But with that, they have control over it, and they can do what they want creatively, and they have the rights. So they don't have to pay anyone else to make that game.
0: Well, they don't I anymore. I know if it has something to do with that. That whole team got moved on to another project, and some other team made Mass Effect Andromeda, and it was a disaster. Yeah, people so. come,
1: people go, it's... It's hard to like keep track of all that kind of stuff and see who was really the the impetus behind creating those games in the first place. A KOTOR three would be really cool, and I think you would obviously you'd be over the moon if that
0: got announced. Oh my god! Just do a KOTOR remake, relaunch the universe. Yeah, just a remaster, even. No, I'm I, happy I, with that. <laughs> I want a full remake, like I, ground up. Okay, I need the fucking crash treatment. Use the Andromeda engine. <laughs> Honestly, that's not terrible. It's just do some halfway decent fucking face capture. Well, that's what, um, Frostbite,
1: that they just had so much trouble getting that running
0: in. I don't know if it, that's necessarily worth it. Who knows? But anyway, KOTOR, it's, it's a beloved game from my childhood. And Star Wars is, I mean, listen, those games mechanically hold up to a point. You know, this is early aughts. Like, games still had a long way to go before. You know, we've sort of refined what a video game is and how a video game plays and this formula yeah, it wasn't until, like, PS2 generation they even got, like, camera control
1: to be halfway decent. Console started shipping with two analog sticks, and Halo was, like, a revolution as far as first-person shooters. Right. Like, other games had done it before, but it wasn't until Halo success that it started being implemented more frequently.
0: So, looking at 2000 to 2004 versus where we are now, you know, I, I feel like the IP is what sells me on this, right? it's It's these stories that are not bound to the stories we already know. Yeah, the movie canon. It's
1: sort of just, it's established in the books, so it's just the turbo nerds that care about it anyway. (laughs) Right.
0: And so for the rest of us, it's just, it's the rest of us. I I am one of those turbo nerds. So for the rest of everybody else who don't really give a fuck, it just says Star Wars in the front. You're like, oh, what's this? Space lasers and spaceships and more space lasers. More sci-fi than a traditional Star Wars story, too. Right, because, you know, Star Wars is, it's high fantasy. In yeah, space. Politics and magic. I agree with you that the KOTOR games are much more sci-fi. I don't know what was going to happen now that EA has the property and, you know, just the worst company to give this to. I remember just groaning. They have the IP and they
1: have BioWare. I don't know how much BioWare is still the same team and the same dudes. It seems like the, the guys come and go, like the main directors from like the old Mass Effect trilogy just came back and they're working on Anthem. So, who knows what when they even started. I don't know what the The origins of kotor and who worked on that, but if they have the team, that'd be really cool to see if they could take another crack at it and do to it what they've learned over the past almost twenty years. You know,
0: feels like a no-brainer to me. They've got all the resources in the world. Why is not happening? I don't know. What do you got next on your list, Nick? I have just
1: a lot of RPGs. Oh shit! I want to talk about Dragon Quest Monsters. Okay, which I I feel like is a game I've tried to get you to play. Or maybe I let you play on my Game Boy a long, long time ago. As as we children. As we children, but it's an RPG. You can't get a good vertical slice. You're not gonna understand what's going on. I hardly understood what was going on.
0: No, I was eight years old. I remember vividly in we're at your parents' house. This is you you were in the first room on the right. Because you 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 honestly you switched rooms quite a bit over the years. Yeah. But you were you're on that first room on the right, and I remember I feel like a lot of my memories were at your house, but like without you just like, I was just at your house and I guess that would make sense because my mom would go over there and you like, wouldn't be home, but like I would still be there. So I would be like, I don't know what it was, but I was playing. I was playing. I remember playing dragon quest monsters, dragon warrior monsters back then. Sorry, dragon warrior monsters. I remember playing a little black cartridge on your game boy in that room by, by the light of a little lamp on, you know, on your bedside table without you there for some reason. And yeah uh, totally not knowing what was going on. All I knew was you were like, This game's a lot like Pokemon, and so I was like, oh, cool, I'll play it. I remember just sitting there and just not knowing what I was doing. I remember going into a not a castle, but like a palace, and just being totally confused. That was my only experience with the franchise. Yeah, that's a tough
1: first impression. For me, I've never played any of the Dragon Quest games. I played Dragon Quest Monsters and the sequel a little bit. Never beat either of them, but they have such a strong emotional attachment for me where it took a concept I was familiar with in the Pokemon series and it's like they retrofitted onto a franchise I'd never played but always heard about or read about. Right. Because Dragon Quest, you know, the very iconic Toriyama art, this high fantasy setting, is a huge RPG series, especially in Japan. But then adding just that you're not the character fighting, you just have these monsters that you're fighting with. Obviously, Pokemon was a raging success, so Square wanted to, or Enix at the time, wanted to get on that bandwagon. And it totally worked. I think that Dragon Quest has probably some of the most iconic monster design out of any game series. Like, I think it's up there with Pokemon and Kirby as far as just the pure design and the appealing nature of the cartoonish enemies. It's fantastic. And also, they had just great music. They utilized the Game Boy soundtrack to... It's probably one of the best soundtracks out of a Game Boy game I've ever heard. Really? The first game was very interesting in that it seemed like it was almost rushed out where they had the mechanics down, but they didn't have any of the encounters like designed so you had this sort of recurring battle system where you're facing up against like trainers basically but your dungeons were procedurally generated which is the first I'd ever played a procedurally generated to anything in a video game right and you're just going down and then you fight an enemy monster and there's like this weird story that doesn't make a lick of sense and you go back to the tree where you're this, you're just living in this tree it's called great tree guess what it is it's a big tree it's a big fucking tree. <laughs> and you're participating in the Starry Night Tournament against other trees that have different names. Like Great Log is a tree that's been fallen down. Or like Great Stump, I think, is one of them. Like just this weird anime crap. <laughs> okay. And it's just really interesting in what they do. But the monsters are so cool. They learn these different moves. And they have a breeding system, which breeding in Pokemon wasn't really utilized until later that year in Gold and Silver. So it's the first time I'd ever encountered something like that, where not only were the hatched creatures, they learn moves from their parents, but they're also different monsters. So you have these like family trees where, oh, I know if I mix a monster from the slime family with a monster from the beast category, then you get something like the specific monster sometimes. But depending on their lineage, that affects it that way. So it's like this genealogy lesson mixed in with an RPG, had just really cool mechanics that really differentiated it from a a Pokemon. Like you had all three of your, you had three monsters on your lineup during a battle scenario as opposed to having one out at a time. And it was very hands-off where you're just being, okay, I want you guys to attack primarily. So they'll do physical attacks. Or I want you guys to use magical attacks primarily and they'll use their magic attacks randomly. So it's kind of like a set it and forget it kind of way, which is I think closer to how Dragon Quest usually does it. This is very unique and like different, but very similar. When is the last year we
0: got one of these games? Because
1: there, there was two on Game Boy. Yes, there's two on Game Boy. There was a Japanese exclusive Game Boy Advance one. Then they rebranded and brought them back as Dragon Quest Joker on the DS. And there was two on the DS that came to the West, and then a third one that just came out in Japan like a couple years ago.
0: And how similar are those ones to the the franchise's roots? I think.
1: They've sort of maintained the similarity to the uh, Dragon Quest games in general. Like they're 3D now, and like just Dragon Quest Eleven just came out, and you're running around an open world, and you see enemies on the on the field like you would in a Paper Mario or Earthbound. Right. And then you start the encounter, and it's still your regular turn-based combat.
0: Again, this is a franchise where is there really room in the market for it? Given the Pokemon and the Yokai Watch and the, it's an itch that's already being scratched, right? Yeah, I think there's room for it, especially with the
1: success of games like ninokuni That it is like, let's just start this new thing, and sure, it looks really cool because it's Studio uh, Ghibli like animating it. But a game that doesn't sell based on its art alone, right? But you also get the art of like Toriyama, so that's like a selling point. And people like Dragon Quest, so a spinoff of that works. And it's Square Enix, and they they really I, they've been showing a lot of love to their smaller kind of games like they such so much success with bravely default and then they saw so much success with octopath traveler that i think that they could put a smaller team on a on a game like this that's not as vast and have like a huge story and a wonderful orchestrated score but you just sort of be like this is more of like a throwback kind of kind of vibe
0: speaking of earthbound nick you know i'm going to do it to you do it i didn't even put it on my list i definitely put the mother series on my list i couldn't even bring myself to put that on there it's too heartbreaking. Again, I don't want to go too deep on this because if you're listening to this pod, you know the mother series. You know the mother memes. Okay? We talk about on half the podcast we've done, we've talked about Reggie and that guy on fire, and the little robot chicken claymation bit at one of their E3s. So good. So, so great. There, I feel like, is absolutely room for this kind of game, and not just because of the hype surrounding the past iterations and the the clamor for a port of a game that everybody's already played anyway. Why do we need to give Nintendo our money for it? You know, but the idea of this quirky, like modern, you know, it's set in this, this modern era, like just this weird RPG where it doesn't take itself too seriously, but at the same time, taking itself seriously enough to like tell these nuanced and sometimes emotional stories, given the nature of those games as far as the platform they're on, the aesthetic, and just the the scope. They're very small games, right? There's, there's nothing like them. And Mother 2, Mother 3, I didn't play the first game in the franchise, though it did get a Wii U release, is that right?
1: Yeah, it came out on a virtual console as yeah. Earthbound Beginnings.
0: Right, right. And, and it's not dissimilar to games you know, like the Tales series or the Final Fantasy series where every iteration. It's not tied to past iterations. It's its own story, their own characters, its own entity within this franchise. But it isn't. Mother 3 is a is a pure sequel to Mother 2. A pure sequel? Yes. The the main baddie yes. stems straight out of Mother 2, yes. But the scenario, the characters, everything's different. But it takes on like
1: similar themes. It's sort of an interesting like time skip almost.
0: No, yeah, I get that. And I, I'm fine with it being in-universe being the same thing, but like we're not following Ness around. Yeah. Okay. That's valid. Yeah. It's in universe. It's similar. There are some similar characters, but it's the same as some of the other JRPGs out there. Final Fantasy games are tied together peripherally. Final Fantasy Lords super weird. I just think it's a little bit more connected than than that. I agree. It is, uh, but because it's different characters, it's a, it's a different story. Like it works, and to do a sequel, it's you kind of have the freedom to do anything you want. Realistically, you're not you're not shackled by the prior entries. You can kind of do what you want and it's this very unique setting. It's
1: a it's a Japanese love letter to 60s and 70s Americana. It's super weird. Just like
0: psychedelic Beatles references, the RPG. If if ever there was a time for something like that to return, it's now. Tell me that wouldn't do well. It totally would. At the end of the day, it's all relative. And a niche JRPG doesn't sell as well as a fucking Mario port. Right, and so that's why we're not getting some of these games,
1: also the the creator behind it, disinterested in ever doing another sequel., it's not his fucking IP. I know it's not, but like that that does hold some sway, but he's also said that like the next mother game should be a game made by fans, not by him. So that's a weird thing. That's a very weird thing. Iwata was integral in getting those games out and working on those games. yeah, and I wonder if anyone wants to try and pick up the mantle after that also. It's very complicated. It seems like there's probably some political, like internal politics, kind of reasons why. Sure, Mother Three doesn't get an official English translation,
0: or even giving hope for a, a sequel in the franchise. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, all the things that I lambast sort of American game developers and our capitalist nature and how that influences the game industry and you know, yeah, for running better or for worse, the ground. Right, and I feel like I lambast the Japanese. Their culture doing the, uh, uh, doing the exact opposite. They are on the complete <laughs> opposite end of the spectrum, and exactly there, there's a middle ground there. It's very rare for a
1: a creator to occupy that space comfortably, because every consumer is different too. Like there's people that only play Pokemon games, so they're fine if they get the same Pokemon game every year because that's all they play. It's difficult to appease all audiences in that way. But it's very interesting that the game creator has so much stock. He sold the the concept, like he pitched it to Nintendo. For Mother, the first one, and that had an awful development cycle. Mother two had a tortuous development cycle. Mother three took forever. It was developed for N sixty four, then it moved on to Game Boy Advance. Like it was almost worked on for DS, but they decided we need to just get shit. we need to shit or get off the pot. Yeah, like, it's been it's, it's, it's a they've nightmare. had so much trouble
0: even making those games. I can understand why they're saying I don't want to do another one. So now it's like, hey, guess what? It's twenty eighteen in the current year. You can go out and hire. A whole team of people who know what the fuck they're doing. Put this guy in charge. Now your vision will be executed by by people who have done this before. And I feel like a lot of games that go through these development cycles that are just awful, it's like, what kind of team did you have in place? There's no excuse in the current year to have a game through go development hell like that. There are enough people out there who have done this. There's a formula you follow.
1: I just think it's easy enough to say that, but then executing it is a completely different ball of wax. So I don't like to jump on that sort of ideology. There. I, I do agree. I want another Mother game. I would love to have an official Mother 3 translation. I would love to throw money at that and show Nintendo that, yes, there are fans for the series and they will still buy the games and that you're not watering
0: down any other properties by making this one. I was just going through my garage, boxes upon boxes, game guides and video games and weird paraphernalia and ephemera just all just all sorts of you know some of it complete chaff and some of it stuff i loathe having to get rid of but i found the mother three fan gamer guide that they put out it was a complete i mean beautiful beautiful one of the most beautiful strategy guides ever crafted i mean that
1: site literally started as a spinoff of starman.net which was a fan site for the original earthbound right and one of the main guys was the was tomato who is the fan translator? He's also a professional translator, but he translated all of Mother Three and made that ROM hack so people in the West can play it. Isn't that amazing? Like that is that is a site that is spawned from a site
0: that is dedicated to Earthbound, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just it's it's fascinating. It's you know, and and that strategy guide for Mother Three is is beautiful. They did one for Earthbound actually just a couple years ago, two years ago, mm-hmm. which I also have. It's you know, it's. The the, tra- the travel brochure kind of thing. Yep. They do that too. Like that's, yep. I
1: swear the Earthbound like fan community is some of the most creative and ravenous
0: fans for anything I've ever encountered. It is absurd. I look at it and say, y'all are crazy. I played Earthbound, not this life shattering, life altering experience. It was a weird RPG that you can tell was developed in the nineties, right? But I'd be very interested to see what that formula looks like in
1: 2018. It's also like a a time and place kind of thing. Pokemon changed your life. Like it taught you how to read. So that obviously has a very close place in your heart. And also, we wouldn't have Pokemon without Earthbound. You don't don't think? Creatures spun off of Ape, which is like the company that made Pokemon. Like it's all intertwined. It's all connected.
0: But how much of an influence do you think that game had on on the team doing Pokemon, if any?
1: Well, I mean, it's also Awada produced uh, earthbound and he had a hand in the first red and blue kind of a red and green getting its first shot and then also came in and worked on gold and silver so right. it's all interconnected it's all like the same like 20 dudes you know these teams were tiny back then you didn't need, there was no need for a, a team of
0: more than 50 people to work on a game right times are changing my friend and any of these games that we list i think it goes without saying that we we want to see what these games can be again in the current year with the resources we have and the knowledge we have just amping all of these up to the next level. Mm-hmm. I don't want a Mother 3 remake. I want Mother 4. I want the next iteration, the next evolution. I wouldn't say no to a remake either, though. <laughs> it depends on what kind of remake we're talking about because it's like, look at Nintendo remaking Mario Luigi games. I, I bitched sure. about that last week or two weeks ago. You're, you're remaking games that I can I can buy and play on the current console generator. Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. So are we just going to get a, a 2D, like, biting the aesthetic of the original? Or is it going to be like a ground-up remake? Is it going to bring something new and breathe new life into something classic? Or is it going to just be sort of a lifeless copy-paste, you know? And some people would be happy with that.
1: Well, they'd be happy with it because it's not playable in its original form on the current console. So it's a little
0: bit different. Than- it is different in that regard. All right. Next on my list, hmm, Nick. This is tough. I forget mother was mine, not yours. Yeah, I didn't even have it on my list. See, I fucked up. I, I just, I was thinking of you when I put that down. What's next on your list, Nick? I could go many different ways,
1: like you just said with you. you know what I want to talk about with you? Just for a little bit. I don't think we can talk too much about this. Pokemon pinball.
0: <laughs> oh, ho oh, oh, ho oh, oh. Nick. <laughs> I can't tell you how many fucking hours of my life I put into Pokemon, Pinball, Ruby, Sapphire. Like shot, shot you straight to the heart right there. Hundreds of that. hours. <laughs> I am not kidding you. I played that for two summers straight. That's all I played. Carrying my Game Boy around road trips, playing it by freaking Moonlight in the basement through a, a sliver in the fucking blinds downstairs. That's all I played. Just trying to get that high score over and over and over.
1: Yeah, and I was playing on... Game Boy, the Game Boy uh, color, weird uh, black cartridge with the rumble pack. <laughs> weird iteration. Really rough. Rough roots. Weird, but early. I mean, that game came out almost, I think it came out before Pokemon Yellow in the West. Like, it just really hopped on that Pokemon bandwagon early. Right. But, I don't know, it was the first uh, pinball video game I played. And by all accounts, it wasn't like a great pinball game, but it was just so cool playing with the Pokeball and having the mini games where you're trying to catch Pokemon and like having that progression. It was very interesting and unique, and I don't know if they necessarily need to make a full-on Pokemon pinball game, but I think it'd be cool just to like license out the characters to a company like Zen Pinball or Pinball FX, and just do like a series of Pokemon boards where you have like that progression and you could do some really interesting things where you have encounters with wild Pokemon. I think that that would just be really cool.
0: I would rather it be an in-house thing and have the Pokemon company do their own. Sure, season. I'd rather it be that, but. I just have low expectations because that's how I am. That seems weird to me. Doing a Pokemon skin on their own board with their own rule uh, or, or with an existing rule set. Like that just seems weird to me. Give me something fresh. Give me something unique. Cause that's what both Pokemon pinball games did. You know, they brought their own thing to the table. They just had like not good physics and it was just a
1: kind of boring board that you had Pokemon encounters. It was very bare bones as far as pinball goes. And these pinball companies that are these software companies that make pinball games, they try and get like the best physics they can. And then every board is a completely, you know, bespoke experience. I haven't played a modern pinball game, so... I'm not good at pinball. I just like Pokemon pinball because Pokemon's cool when I was a kid. Did you play the
0: Ruby Sapphire iterations? Yeah. (sighs) oh The the one iteration, yeah. Sorry, yeah. And it's so cool. The pinball is a Pokeball. Oh my God. It only makes sense right it only makes sense they're both spherical no it's a, it's that's a, <laughs> a game that i played only a couple years ago for the first time in in ages and i played it and said this is as fun as i remember picked it back up like a bad habit this was summer 15 i want to say and i went on a few road trips that summer
1: yeah because that's when you got me to play uh animal crossing with you again was that
0: summer 15 yeah that was three years ago time flies yeah dog i don't say that enough on this podcast we're old hey, yeah guess what we're not young <laughs> But we uh, are. We also aren't. <laughs> Dude. Okay. Listen. That's a complete aside here. You know, my Perfect. buddy. My buddy is down here in Eugene this weekend, and he's telling me about a show he just went and saw. And he was like, "Oh man, I was on Twitter, and and they said happy birthday to their new guitar player, and their new guitar player is twenty five. It blew me away. He's so young." And I looked at him and said, "Buddy, twenty five is not young. We're fucking old. <laughs> like you haven't realized that as a twenty seven year old man." We're not young, and just because someone's your age doesn't, oh wow, he's my age. That's amazing. No, he's a, he's 25 years old. He's a grown ass man. Like it's not, it's not a 17 year old kid. It's a 25 year old ass man.
1: Yeah. When we're all in high school, the bands we were listening to were like 20 year olds. So,
0: so it's interesting to hear, oh, so and so band that I've been listening to for since I was 15 hired a 25 year old guitar player. And it's like, that's not that weird. It makes a lot of sense, actually. It's just interesting how, as we get old, we don't realize we're getting old.
1: Yeah, you just don't want to end up looking like that uh, the old man guitarist from Norma Jean who looked like he was in his 40s when everyone else was
0: like 25. You know what's funny? He literally was talking about Norma Jean and then a new guitar player. I swear <laughs> to God, dude. he's really like, funny. He's 25 years old! <laughs> oh, what, buddy. I okay, finally retire
1: get on Social Security. <laughs> I
0: know, I, listen, I don't know who you're
1: referencing, I feel like I you just to look have to look, okay, you just have to find like a poster lineup and there's one guy that looks like Dwight Schrute but with long
0: hair. Oh my god, really? Yeah. So can I go through some of the honorable mentions before we get to the last one or two I want to talk about on my list? Yeah, sure. Just because these are games that I would love to see back and we could talk about, but we're an hour and a half in and we just we gotta move it along. I really want to see the return of Disney platformers. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm just thinking of all the, the Disney platformers I absolutely loved. I was not expecting that. Tarzan or Aladdin, Tarzan, or dude. Chip and Dale, fucking DuckTales, Duck Duck like just all these great weird platformers with Disney so IPs, mostly. <laughs> right, right. And they they did just do the Saturday morning cartoon collection not too long ago, uh, which I I didn't buy. What what did that that didn't come to Switch, did it? No, I think it hit 3ds. I think that was okay. Uh, I think it came out around the
1: time Switch was coming out, but like, right. I think it was the 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 holiday before okay I think it was end of 2016 i wonder how that was people seem to like it, it had a cool kind of like rewind feature where instead of having save states you could just be like you could rewind back like 30 seconds of game
0: i don't think i would prefer that uh monkey island games nick
1: yeah i was just uh listening to a podcast and they're talking about how telltale had the monkey island uh
0: rights right for a while and both of those things are dead unfortunately well, and at the end of the day, I don't blame Telltale for never having utilized that IP.
1: Well, I mean, they used it. It was just like a, it was just a weird time for them where they were making the same and Max games and definitely was a long they were time doing more traditional adventure games, not like the story ones.
0: No, and what I just mean recently anyway, like why in the last five years we didn't get a Monkey Island game? Well, because they had Marvel games and they had Walking Dead and they had, you know, whatever. I wonder if this is on your list. Castlevania. It's not on my list. No. It seems strange that a franchise that we've gotten consistent games from up until five years ago. About, yeah. Lords of Shadow and like those two uh, 3DS games. Yeah, not exactly Castlevania games. There was a right. reason that franchise died. Sad when the best thing to come from that, you know, from, a, from a, a franchise held in such high esteem like that, you know, the best thing to come from that in the last half decade was a Netflix series. You yeah. Know?
1: And it's, it's Konami, you know. They yep. Really backed off from video games in general. Not pachinko enough for them. I don't know. They're doing that, that combo pack for PS4 that's got Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night. So maybe if that sells well enough, they can put some weird tiny team on making a, a new game in the franchise. Maybe to try to stick it to Iga as he's trying to put out Bloodstain
0: next year. Right. Spiritual successor to Symphony of the Night. That game, I feel like it's going to be pretty okay and it's going to do well.
1: Yeah, it's probably going to be okay. Hopefully
0: it doesn't pull a Mega Man or a Mighty Number no. 9, excuse me. <laughs> No, that game was a disaster from from its inception. There are still people waiting on Kickstarter uh, promises. Yeah, well, in twenty eighteen, their fault for thinking that was even possible. But you know what? You know what they did? <laughs> what Bladesin <laughs> did well is they released the NES clone on Switch. Wow,
1: it was an Inti game. So, I mean, Inti helped with Mega uh, Mighty Number no. Nine also, but I don't know what they worked on for that because they had that weird spinoff uh, Mighty Gunvolt Burst, which Right. It's pretty cool. That's more like a Mega Man game, and then that was sort of like a, a combo of Mighty number 9 and Azure Striker Gunvolt. It's kind of interesting. I just
0: mean, even if Bloodstained is awful, I'm just saying they did the right thing by putting out this game that did really well critically. Curse of the Moon was really cool. That is, I think, going to really help them, you know, in, the, in the court of public opinion anyway, in the lead up to marketing to this. it's People are going to have good things to say about the creator and the franchise and the name Bloodstained, right?
1: Right. And that, I think that also lends more possibility to Castlevania being revived just by virtue of, hey, this competitor that's a hundred percent aping what the old games were doing succeeded and did really well maybe you want to look at
0: trying it again i look at you know konami just what's the meme with uh <laughs> what's his face shooting hannibal Barres?
1: oh yeah uh, eric andre
0: yeah he, he's like in whatever the mean it's basically like he kills a guy and says why does why did so and so do that <laughs> looks yeah. at the camera like wait, how did that happen? It's like, that's Konami. (laughs) Konami fucking reached back and just murdered the fuck out of Hannibal Barres, and was like, Capcom, why'd you kill Hannibal Barres?" Like, you know what I mean? What they're looking at now is looking at Capcom. They're saying this company has completely revived itself.
1: Yeah, and they were kind of on a similar trajectory for a little bit there. Totally, five five years ago. Trouble, internal politics issues, the Inafune leaving. Yeah. Like, Konami saw the same things with Igarashi and Kojima, but... They just decided to double down and stick to the weird health spa and pachinko stuff in Japan. And they've been profitable. I don't think they've been in the like in the red at all. I think they've been fine. It's just that we love video games, so we want them to continue on that path. Yeah. They've got so many cool franchises, too. Just Metal Gear and, and Castlevania alone is huge for them.
0: Huge. Still got, like, Contra and Gradius. People still like those. You know, in my research for this, you know, I made my list of the games I wanted to see return, and then... I went to do some research to find like what franchises are technically dead. What haven't we heard from in a while? And Gradius was on almost all those lists. Yeah. I mean,
1: scrolling shooters are just, they don't like, they were cool in arcades because that was literally all you could make for a video game. That was every video game in arcades in like the the early seventies, you know, it was Pong, it was breakout and it was shooters. So it made sense that that, that genre stuck around for so long, but I don't know if it's enough of a, it doesn't have the longevity that video games have now there's not enough ver- variety like you get cool kind of ideas with stuff like ikaruga and you get like a very niche audience that latches onto that and they really appreciate it or uh what was the studio that made those playstation exclusive kind of arcade style shooters the side-scrolling one was like a cylinder and you're saving humans from being abducted by aliens it was oh. a ps plus game for yeah a little you know, the, i'm it, talking about
0: it was a launch game i think yeah. yeah, I played
1: the shit out of it. What was that called? That company publicly said, like, we can't keep making these kinds of games. There's no money in it. We can't survive as a studio. Yeah. So we have to branch out. And now they're making some weird Battle Royale game. Because, of course.
0: Oh, that's unfortunate. But Konami, of all
1: people, are not going to bring back a vertical shooter or a side-scrolling shooter.
0: No. Yeah, that, there's nothing like, there Like, they're for not them.
1: making enough money out of Metal Gear Solid V, the, they're definitely not making enough money out of Gradius. Resogun. Resogun, yeah. That's Iron Galaxy. Made that house mark and cloud house mark. Okay, sorry, Iron Galaxy. That's someone else, they do ports of stuff, I think. Yeah, mostly.
0: Well, Konami, don't let us down. Let's hope that this Castlevania combination pack is the start of a a renaissance for the company. That'd be dope. Last on my honorable mentions, I want to bring up just because again, I saw a lot of people clamoring for it, and I I only bring it up because I'm shocked that it hasn't received a proper sequel, uh, and B, I mean, it got a spiritual successor, but. It didn't do as well, despite it being... I guess? Yes. This Tactics? No, that you know, I did see a lot of that, <sighs> and I thought about that, but, but again, I would have put it on, but I have never played Final Fantasy Tactics, right. despite loving games of that ilk. No, this game is Chrono Trigger.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Chrono Cross, I think, I think they recognized it as
0: a more of a sequel than a spiritual successor, I think. It's a spiritual successor yeah it's not really it's not really a sequel um and they did they did enough differently that it was sort of and at the time it was not people didn't like it very much at the time
1: well did it even have the same team because the whole thing about chrono trigger how, how cool it was was like a, a crossing of the, the the aisle with people coming from enix and people coming from square and being directed by like legendary directors and that kind of it was like a emerging of wonderful sure. talent It was fucking super game toriyama like it was basically like the people so well-known for Dragon Quest and the people so well-known for Final Fantasy, which at that time were rivals. They were hugely competitive against each other. Right. And then coming together and making this short, approachable, very unique, and like groundbreaking RPG. It's yeah. very interesting that they never iterated that into the ground, but I think it was because there were so many different hands in the pie that once one of them pulled back, then it became very difficult to fill in that mojo that they brought to the table. Sure. I never looked at it that way. They can't even port Chrono Trigger right to the PC. What makes you think they
0: could make a good sequel? Touche. 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 That's it for my honorable mentions. Do you have any honorable mentions you just want to briefly run down before we get into the last couple here? Yeah, sure.
1: Like I said, Final Fantasy Tactics. I've only played the Tactics Advance version, which is like a weird spinoff. And then there was an almost sequel thing on DS. But besides that, they have not
0: touched that franchise besides some ports. And that's really weird. Tactics Advance, as far as I am aware, was a very refined iteration of that genre. I don't know, again, why they didn't do anything after that. There's a PSP release. Yeah, that was a port of the PS1 game. Uh, Wait, what? It was? Yeah, Knights of the Lotus. Yeah,
1: it's the same game, but with like some added cutscenes, probably. Maybe like another campaign mission. Oh, didn't know that. But it's the first game. Okay. And then there was uh, A2 grimoire of something that was on the ds which was like a sequel to final fantasy tactics advance right but tactics advance is like a weird kind of iteration of tactics like it's very bizarre it's also one of the only games that takes place in the same like world as one of the other games in the final fantasy series it takes place in the same place as final fantasy 12 a little fun fact for you i've only played the advanced game andrew our friend just put in a million hours of that game it'd be cool if they revisited that formula
0: I'd be curious to go back and, and play that game, just given my love for games similar to it. You know, I, I, I'm a big fan of Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. You know, I played through Pokemon Conquest, which is Pokemon meets... Uh, oh, fuck. What's the franchise? Nobunaga's Ambition. Nob- Nobunaga's Ambition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I See, I couldn't even... Even I if I remember that. For, it took me a second to pull that, but I got it. I yeah. got it in the end. That was a wonderful game. I almost put that on this list. I was thinking about that. I said that was a very interesting crossover that I played to death. Just loved that experience. It was so, it was bite-sized, it was simple enough for me to just c- sort of casually play it, but enough depth that if I wanted to kind of get crazy with my builds and my approach, like you could. Mm. It's it's rare that a game can really ride that line where, because oftentimes it comes off as too hard for some people and too easy for others. Riding that line of actually being simple enough for beginners to jump into or casuals to jump into, but also offering enough that hardcore players can still get something out of it that's very Mm -hmm. hard to do Mm -hmm. you don't see it successfully done i don't think so i almost put that on my list but i didn't anyway tactics it's really weird they've never really done anything with that franchise and again it's probably all sales a game franchise
1: that got ran into the ground had six games in as many years oh god and half of those games had two versions can you guess game boy advance spin-off Mega Man Zero. Battle, Battle Network. Network.
0: Ah! <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Mega Man Zero only had four games. Yeah, four games and then a, a DS game that was a collection of the previous four.
0: Right. So Mega Man Battle Network. Yeah. Okay, I Battle was like, Network.
1: you have me there for a second. I was like, no, I know. Yearly yearly release. First two games were just one and then three through six were, had two versions each. Just so, so many. And by the time the sixth one came out, Everyone was complaining, oh, this is just a bunch of asset flipping. This is just getting it's too much. So Capcom in typical early mid 2000s Capcom fashion just left it in the dust. Naturally. naturally They wanted their own kind of Pokemon where they're getting different versions and trading and all these kind of RPG battle systems. It was like a tactics RPG, but real time where you're on this grid and you're moving around avoiding enemy attacks. I've not played nearly enough of it to be like really jonesing for it, but it's With Capcom revisiting their older series and bringing them back in collections, I wonder if we're going to get a
0: Mega Man Battle Network collection. It shocks me how little self-awareness these companies have. These are these giant freaking conglomerates full of businessmen and experienced artists and and masters of their craft. And just, there's so many heads. How is it that these companies routinely have their heads so far up their own asses? It's totally oblivious. A
1: combination of business does not mix well with art. And it's hard to get that, mm. that balance right, especially when the business people are holding the purse strings and they're dictating the time limits that you're be able to put into these games. Yeah. Say, we need another one of these next year, this time, do it. You get this or much else. money, you get this much staff yep. and we'll check back in with you every three months, see if you're meeting your deadlines and your goals and we'll see if we continue this series. You know, that's that's tough, but they yeah. have to be tough in order to you have to put limits on creators. Otherwise, they're just going to keep creating and it's never going to get done. So it's a very
0: tenuous push and pull. A lot of stress, I would imagine. Right. So what is... Let's see. I've got two more on my list that I kind of want to get in depth on. I got three. Yeah, I might have a third one, but we are, we're pretty crunched for time right now. So I wonder if we'll have the same one. I doubt it. Let me just go shortly on
1: about my desire for another Golden Sun game. I knew you were going to... I didn't put it on
0: there because I knew you were going to. Did you play any of those? I started the first one, but I never really got into it. All I remember is the boulders falling down on your village. Yeah. At the beginning of the
1: game. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's a very, very pivotal moment in the game. It's, it's the first, and first it's, first it's the storyline. The storyline follows into the second game where... You think one of the characters is dead, but they end up being washed away down this river and you start playing as that character instead. you join joined it. You make a new party that's very similar because you all have the same different adepts. That's pretty cool. I think the, the the type variety. I like that. I, I think it was pivotal for me and I got it fairly early in me having a Game Boy Advance, which I didn't have it at launch, but I think I had it maybe a year or two later. Okay. And I remember renting Maybe Golden Sun. I borrowed one of them from Andrew Sereno.
0: Shouts out.
1: <laughs> yeah, just a really random memory. You know, those middle school. It was the time where I was most actively renting games from Hollywood Video and Game Crazy. Yeah. And Game Crazy had Game Boy Advance rentals. That's when I rented um, Fire Emblem. And we rented the same cartridge. That wasn't the same game. but we'll, we'll <laughs> How many times have we that? referenced this story? <laughs> but Golden Sun, it, really cool. It was developed by Camelot and most people know Camelot nowadays for them making the Mario tennis and Mario sports games generally, but they originally started as a Sega RPG house and they made the shining force series. It's so weird that an RPG developer made RPGs for like nine years from the master system to the Genesis. And then I don't know if they worked on anything with Saturn, but they, their first Nintendo title was Mario tennis on the, on the N64 in 99. Ah and it's just so weird that they do that. They do uh Mario Golf. Well they also did everybody's golf on the PlayStation, which is a franchise they still do. So they they go from RPGs to the golf to tennis to golf again, and then to this RPG for Nintendo and the Game Boy Advance. And it it was basically a launch game in Japan. We didn't get it, come to the US until August, so like a year or a month after the system launched. Just very interesting. That Nintendo would have this JRPG-ass JRPG, like anime. It's like a PlayStation game in the way it's set up the, oh, totally. the battle system, the, the way the, the sprites move. It's a lot more in-depth than a, a, a SNES kind of
0: JRPG. It's Final Fantasy Nintendo.
1: I thought it was really interesting in how they designed the, the battle mechanics with the Jin that you find, the genie. Right. Just a weird spelling of genies, but the different types of those and combining them gives your characters different moves in battle. The characters have different um powers that you use in the overworld for solving puzzles and it was a really cool game really great story very fantastical and the sequel was an actual sequel and there weren't many games that i played back then that a video game would like oh that told the story and pick it up in the next iteration so when i played uh lost what was it lost ages and then dark dawn was the third one which I never played but it was really cool to pick up a different side of the story that's happening concurrently and then follows the the story afterwards
0: these two different parties it was very new for me as a as a as a young man before i knew what continuity was and what canon was continuity was what geeked me out the absolute most i couldn't uh, articulate why i liked it so much that you know trunks from the future is actually vegeta and bulma's son and that this story carried over right and it
1: was so rare for us to to get that storyline coherently because we'd be watching these tv shows on syndication and they would just be airing in random order. Right. So I'd catch Pokemon after school, but it'd be like, oh, this episode Ash doesn't have Butterfree. This episode Ash hasn't fought Gengar yet. Right. It's just like we don't know what's going on. Which is what was so cool about uh Gold and Silver.
0: Is that it was like an actual sequel to Red and Blue. Right. And you gotta go back to this place that you know so well. You know what, speaking of Pokemon anime It geeked me out when I realized that the fucking... In the first episode, the Pokemon he sees, the rainbow Pokemon, is Ho-Oh from the second generation. That was like a did-you-know
1: Pokemon trivia fact in the early 2000s for so long. Like, (laughs) did you know? We actually saw this Pokemon. Even though Gold and Silver was, like, out, like, the end of that year in
0: Japan. (laughs) In my mind, it was ages from the time I first played Pokemon to the time I got those sequels in my hand. And I remember reading... I remember reading Nintendo Power and seeing screenshots and learning about the day-night system, and then finally getting my hands on a copy of Pokemon Gold. Oh yeah, people like importing the games from Japan and stuff. It was such a special time. But yeah, it was it was these little nods to
1: the in-universe continuity. It rewarded you for playing the previous game. It was like, oh, it's like I have this
0: secret knowledge because exactly of my experience. <laughs> I, I know something other people don't know. I, I feel it was obviously not being able to articulate at the time, but the feeling of being invested and knowing something intimately and feeling rewarded for that. And it's not so much like I know something people don't know, but just just that, again, being rewarded for being so invested in something and feeling like this was made for me specifically.
1: It's the same feeling of like someone saying, hey, have you ever heard Have you ever heard of this band? I just found them really cool. You're like, I haven't listened to them for three years. Right. Yeah, they are really cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I
0: don't like, even know. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's, part of it is that, but less pretentious. When, I get what you're saying, but when it comes to the music thing, that's just a pretentious thing for me. I'm like, shh. I've been listening to them for three years.
1: Yeah, but it tickles sort of the same area where it's like rewarding you for having the knowledge beforehand.
0: Yeah, and and just something about an artist recognizing... Because you see it in so many other mediums or other franchises and whatever that there is a lack of respect for what they've done before. And so so continuity in canon now, in a lot of ways, for so many franchises, it just doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. it's funny, because like for Dragon, Dragon Ball Z, I brought it up earlier, Akira Toriyama he would forget he, he he forgot what he wrote he was right. <laughs> this guy was pumping out com you know a manga every week so for him this was just this insane job he's trying to just yeah, manufacture a these job
1: for shonen jump
0: right and so and for us it's like every word we hung on to and every picture was like this amazing thing and every every frame and for him he's just like oh yeah well so and so didn't do such and such because i forgot that was like six years ago <laughs> and, right. and from an early age realizing that that's how Toriyama was so you feel even more it's even more special when a creator acknowledges what came before it and references it and appreciates it and respects it like that's a, it's a very I think rare thing that, that even at a young age I appreciated and I appreciate more so now so yeah no Golden Sun I'm all about that it did get that DS sequel don't know if it's any good by all accounts
1: from the re- reviews I read when it was you know coming out it didn't interest me and that's a bummer because i love the first two games so much and maybe it's my fault for not buying it you know like i'm part of the problem but i also think it took too long like dark dawn came out in 2010 the first game came out 2000 i think the sequel is 2004 wow like that's six years that's a long time that's tough rpgs i understand they take a long time and they're doing other games in the interim and it's hard to make people care about a series also Dark Dawn was weird because it was like a time jump. You're playing as the, the main characters of the first two games. They're kids, which is like, that's a interesting idea. I like the the thought of that. I'm not sure if they executed properly, but still
0: Nick, irregardless, irregardless. a fourth game <laughs> and I'll hop back on. Here's the thing. I'm going to need you to go back and play the first two golden sun games. You've got the time. We've sparked this conversation here. Listen, I need you to dig up that passion, play those again. I want you to play the third one, and I want a genuine, unbiased opinion post, you know, coming right off of the the original two. I want to know, because Dark Dawn, here, let me let you in a little secret here. I own the first two Golden Sun games, so when I was compulsively collecting, those were titles I knew I had to have.
1: Oh, yeah, they're muskets. I mean, they're integral to the Game Boy Advance library. Exactly, exactly.
0: And so... When I was still compulsively collecting and just buying games I knew I'd play eventually or wanted to play eventually because they're big names or they're valuable games or whatever. Dark Dawn has been in my Amazon wish list for four years now. And occasionally I'll get on my wish list and I'll just kind of go digging through and remove some stuff, add some stuff, and I always see it there. And up until la- I mean, last time I checked, I don't know how long ago it was now, but you can still buy that game at twelve bucks brand new on Amazon. And from what I had gathered, it had reviewed perfectly well, which is why I'd placed it in my cart as oh, it's a game that's affordable, I could, I could pick up if I wanted to on a whim, because it was remembered finally. And I always wonder because I feel like these games are always remembered better the further away from them you get.
1: Yeah, you, you weed out a lot of the negative because you forget about the things you didn't really care for as far as a video game. Video games are never bad enough that they stick around in your mind as like, oh, I hated that, because you right. stop playing. So you have right. less time to really engage yourself with it but if you play something you're like oh that was good but it wasn't as good it's it's easier to forget
0: what you didn't like about the thing i look at zelda and you look at wind waker and that game just people fucking hated that game when it came out people hated the build-up it. people hate when it was released well, they hated it mostly before they played it I right think once it came out it
1: had a lot of the hatred for it had died off a little bit especially post uh, twilight princess also
0: People look back on Wind Waker a lot more fondly. I mean, Wind Waker is regarded now as by a lot of people as the best Zelda game. And this is—I think it's is a generational thing, where depending on how old you are, oh, I can totally, guess your favorite course. Zelda game, right? Like whether you're a Link to the Past kind of boy, or if you're an Ocarina kind of boy, if you're a Wind Waker kind of boy. Like, listen, like I know based on how old you are, and it kind of goes every every two to four year gap, right? You can, you know who, what their favorite. I hey, mean, I'm a be. year
1: older than you, and I'm I'm an Ocarina boy, and you're a Wind Waker boy. Just by virtue of what console I had. You didn't have an N64. And I
0: did. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah, and I had the GameCube, and so that's that's the one I played. And and it wasn't my first Zelda game. I had played NES. I had played Link to the Past. I had played Ocarina of Time. And dude, I rented, or I bought it used, Wind Waker, and uh, I
1: couldn't progress because the disc was scratched. Damn, this explains it all. R.I.P.
0: How far did you get before it froze up? I think I got to the... Uh, fight against the bird. Oh God, you weren't that you weren't that far. no I know. Sad, <laughs> it was
1: not that far. Later, I got to the true ending of the game, which is getting to the the bullshit fetch quest, and then I
0: stopped. The original fetch quest was really awful.
1: Yeah, and I was playing that on emulator before the uh, the remake came out.
0: The remake really, really. But fixed I got that, that far. The
1: remake also, I believe, maybe no, I think I got to the two um, the two dungeons
0: where you are uh, chaperoning Medley and the the weird rock right. boy. The leaf man. The little leaf man. Leafman. I'm not going to lie. Even in the remake, I got to the very end of the game and I, I just had to get a guide out. The, even though they really fixed that fetch quest, I still was like, all right, I just want to get to the boss fight and call it good.
1: And it was too recent for me. Like I had just figured it out and figuring it out was the fun part the first right. time. So it was just me doing the thing the second time. It wasn't as fun.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Give me another game on your list. I've got three games here and... Just given the time here, I'm going to list all three of them. I'm going to let you pick which we're going to to talk about. And for those of you listening, if you want to hear about the remaining two games at any point, write into us. And we'll maybe do a little 20 minutes at the top of the next pod. However, we only have time for one. So, three games in no particular order. Tony Hawk Pro Skater, Age of Empires, and Castle Crashers.
1: I don't even want most of those to come back. I don't want any of those to come back, really. First off. Tony Hawk, <laughs> okay. they killed that unceremoniously with Tony Hawk 5. Even more reason to do a Tony Hawk 6 and do it properly. I just don't want Activision to have that property anymore. I'd rather just someone else do I another skater I game that's not Tony Hawk related at all. Just get that same gameplay. Doesn't have to have Tony Hawk, doesn't matter. Just give me some cool tunes, some cool 90s, early 1000s, punk and new metal, some ska, and just do tricks for two minutes or one minute and just have a score chase. We had the, we had the skate games. Yeah, but those weren't those weren't timed score chases. Those were those were different things. they were trying to emulate skateboarding more. I don't want that. I want to cool. I want to do cool tricks. You want an arcade? I can't game. skateboard in real life. I can't real skateboard and fake life either. I just want to press triangle and do a, a kickflip. You know,
0: I, that's why I think there's room for the Tony Hawk Pro Skater series to go back to its arcade roots. You know, they went wrong, and despite I liked you know the American Wasteland and I liked the Project Eight, but where they really started going off the rails is when they tried to make these like realistic sandbox games. Yeah, the underground games. Yeah, and, and I like the underground games, too. Like, I really didn't... I really liked almost every iteration of Tony Hawk up until the Wii, the fucking ride. I didn't even really like 3 as much as I liked 2. 2 was two, two was the pinnacle in a two lot of ways. Pinnacle.
1: It was just the most boiled-down essence. 3 added some cool stuff. I think 3 added wall grinds. There's mm-hmm. more ways to loop tricks together. Yeah, mechanically
0: speaking. The 4 was the pinnacle, and then they just slowly iterated... But it got to the point where those they added too much and it just took away from the the
1: pure score chase arcade style right. element of it. When they, but I understand also that's not a tenable iteration formula. You know, they're, put, they're putting out those games yearly and they started
0: adding so much to them because they're making so much money. So what if the team that did Sunset Overdrive and fucking Spider-Man, we get the Insomniac team back on the Tony Hawk games, which will never, ever, ever, ever happen. But I'm just Insomniac saying didn't make Tony, didn't make Tony Hawk. It was never soft, dude. Oh my God, really?
1: Yeah. They did Tony Hawk, they did uh, Spider Man, then I think they
0: started doing Guitar Hero before they got killed off to make uh, Call of Duty maps. I swear Insomniac had something to do with. They were just doing Spyro. I'm just I must, in my mind, I'm just thinking so because everybody compared Sunset Overdrive to basically being Tony Hawk with guns.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of grinding. Kind of an interesting sort of uh, parallel there. Sure. I understand
0: where you're coming from. Yeah. We'll get, you get insomniac on a fucking <laughs> get, get a small team on a Tony Hawk game. Give me just an article. Cool. They got more than one studio. Yeah, that that's feasible. That's what I want. Um, so what else from that list? Anything else you want to talk about? I don't really
1: care about, um, the real time strategy kind of stuff. And then castle crashes, I think was just a flash in the pan, dude. Like it was just a fun sort of zeitgeist in the moment kind of game. I'm not a big fan of beat ups, but it was just fun to play that game with my friends because it was goofy. It was easy. And it was just a great golf game where it was just a thing to do while we were hanging
0: out talking shit. That was 10 years ago. We're older. We're wiser. Why not do that again with something fresh? I don't know. Why not, Nick? Because beat ups are a bad genre. I disagree with that. I think they're a simple genre. They're a genre that it's very easy for them to overstay their welcome, but to call them a bad genre, I think that is disingenuous.
1: I think it has a very low ceiling. Yes. For variety. I, Yep. How do you differentiate between games? Like, There's just so much mechanically you can do to make them interesting, and they don't interest me to a great extent. Castle Crashes wasn't fun because it was a fun game to play. It was a fun thing to do while you're hanging out with friends. That's my experience with it, at least.
0: you have anything else on your list that you want to dive into before we wrap this up? Yeah, I've
1: got a couple. Um, Mentioned uh, a lot of RPGs, but Dark Cloud was a pivotal game for me for the PlayStation. And then also I wanted uh, to mention... Give us a a freaking Fusion sequel. Let's push that timeline
0: forward instead of just doing more and more Prime games for Metroid. Do you think that's possible if Prime 4 is a success? Do you see them doing what Zelda did where they would do a 3D Zelda and then they do quote unquote 2D Zelda?
1: It'd be really cool if they just took the groundwork that they put down with Samus Returns and instead of doing a remake, just do a follow up to the, the story in Fusion. Cause I like the story in fusion. I know a lot of people kind of bag on fusion a little bit as being too linear compared to the other Metroid games, but I found it to be a wonderful game to play. I thought the story was eked out fine. Like, yeah, sure. It was a lot of text, but it focused so much on gameplay that the text was just like a cool thing to do while the game was loading. Right. Like, oh, here's a little story between this robot and Samus and the strange doppelganger that was the S-A-X, you know? Right. What else you got? One other um, honorable mention, uh, the Wario Land games. There hasn't been a Wario Land platformer in a long, long time. I never Last played one this. was 2008 on the Wii. Well, it started off as like a weird Mario Land spinoff for Game Boy. Right. And then they started showing like a lot of really cool creativity in Wario Land 2, where instead of like losing lives, you would just lose coins. So instead of being punished and being sent back to the level beginning of the level every time you're just like oh well you're invincible but the goal of the game is to have as many coins at the end as possible made for a very replayable sort of uh game especially for a handheld that's really cool a lot of really cool like power-ups where being hurt by enemies would cause wario to go into a different state so you'd be like blown into a bubble and then you could float up to get somewhere you couldn't get to before you would be flattened by a By a falling block, and then you could fit through small areas that you could fit into before. Very interesting sort of level design in that way.
0: Well, you know, we haven't gotten a WarioLine game because it's just biting Mario, and Mario already does Mario, so why have two games doing the same thing? That doesn't make any sense, Nick. And Wario is a truly unlovable heel. (laughs) You watch your fucking mouth. You fucking watch it. And nobody even knows if he's actually related to Waluigi. Wait, that's not canon? No. What the fuck? That makes no sense to me. They're just like weird friends.
1: Or are they? It's not delved into because Waluigi isn't a real character. Listen, they're actually lovers. I would not be judging of that. Well, good. I mean, I would be judging in that they're both just weird, awful men, but that's not what I'm judging them for.
0: At least they have each other. <laughs> yeah. Someone's <laughs> got to love them. Oh, man. <laughs> it's not going to be me. <laughs> well, my friend, it's a good place to wrap it up. That's a lot of games. Yeah. This isn't even half of what, you know, like I said, I was doing some research into what other people have said and a lot of games out there that and seemingly successful franchises that just disappeared.
1: Yeah. It's just for me, it's interesting to, to follow the creative minds behind these games and see if they're doing other stuff. If they're just like, well, I'm done with that chapter of my life. Right. I'm going to move on to start making other games. That's why we're not doing this series anymore. Or It's like, oh, there's this didn't sell. Or, oh, they didn't sell as well as we
0: wanted them to. We're in this era of remakes now. I, I, not era. I feel it's, if it's more of a season. This will pass, and it'll occur again down the road. But it's interesting that we're clamoring for all these games, but like, don't, don't we have too many games as it is? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's many games. But doesn't mean that as soon as a game
1: comes out, it, it becomes dead to you. You only care about the game until it comes out.
0: No, no not until it comes out, but until I've, you know... I've bled it dry of all the fun I can you know, possibly leech from saying, it. It's a
1: lot easier to be excited about a game that hasn't come out yet. You have a very finite amount of excitement that you can have for a game that is out.
0: Right. And you can't play more than one game at, at one time. The people who can do that are crazy. I, I don't understand that at all. I used to be that guy who I just start games willy nilly, but I quickly realized like that's not feasible and you just have to pick one and play it and enjoy it. And you know, if you're not enjoying it, stop. That's my thing right. with games is... Games are supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a hobby. So if it's not something you're enjoying and you're not gleaning any sort of satisfaction from... Because games aren't always supposed to be... Fun is a a broad term. Engaging. Engaging. Games can be difficult and frustrating and just maddening on several accounts. But they're still engaging, like you said, you're still deriving some sort of twisted satisfaction from it. You have to be growing from playing the game. Right. Yeah, that's our list of... uh, of remakes that we want. I think my headphones literally just died. Yeah, you're done. You can't hear me. <laughs> of course. They literally die. That's the console crusade podcast. We're going to wrap it up right here because Nick can't hear me. He's saying things. Are you wrapping it
1: up? Is this is the console crusade podcast. <laughs> can you find us at consolecrusade.com? Can you email us at feedback at consolecrusade.com? Can you follow us on Twitter at console underscore, underscore crusade? I really stumbled on that one. It's tough. You can follow EJ at E-jiggle. follow me at press till death. This has been the Console Crusade podcast. Give me that ca-chow Ej.
0: He's laughing now, and I don't know what the fuck he's saying. Can you hear me? Can I can, can hear you hear just now, now right yes! now. Yes. Yes. I'm alive, baby. Fuck. What did you, what happened? My headphones died. Then I tried to get it to come out of my speaker, but then you couldn't hear me. It's a fucking nightmare. My Skype locking into my old Skype account. It's fucked up. All right, give me a real countdown. Guys, this has been the Concert podcast. All right, the Technical Difficulty podcast. Listen, Leaf said, Leaf said he liked the kachow, and he wants the kachow back. I threw it to you. Cachao, baby.